Hello and welcome to Astrology Hotline, the podcast where we answer all your burning birth chart and astrology questions. Joining me today is Bonnie. Hello, Bonnie. Hello. And yeah, we're going to answer some questions like usual. But before we dive into that, how are, how are you feeling today, Bonnie? Let's, <laughs> let's chat for a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been feeling pretty, uh, it's conflicting because I feel kind of like not my not myself right now um and at the same time i'm also like really happy because i just came back from vacation and saw a lot of friends at a pole dancing convention and saw my first dance teacher um who lives in in the city i went to so i haven't seen her in years um but like personally wise i just feel like really off and i'm saturn has just gone retrograde i'm a capricorn rising i don't know that has i don't feel like myself yeah i don't know if it's that (laughs) or um the south node on in scorpio on my sun um but i feel like the saturn component has added another layer to it yeah no we have very mirrory charts Mm -hmm. like we have everything in like their opposite or the same sign or the opposite house but uh yeah probably ended up getting hit by the same transits like half the time you're my Uh, astrology dark twin because we have reverse (laughs) like Sun, moon, and rising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I the Mercury um station direct mm-hmm. uh, in Taurus is exactly conjunct my natal Mercury. Oh so I was eyeballing that for months before and I was like, what's that gonna be? What is it? Yeah. Is it because Mercury, you know, rules my third house and uh third house is like communications and and podcasts and writing and and sort of day-to-day routine stuff. But it also rules my 12th house. So it's like, what's going to, what's going to happen? Mm, Am I going to yeah. lose my mind or something? But I feel like when Mercury goes direct, there's like this weird period where like Mercury's kind of like drunk and like very slow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm feeling that right now, but yeah, I'm, I am curious um, about this Mercury retrograde just because of the people I've been communicating with and like, what's going to come, like what's going to come back and bite me. Yeah. You know? I, oh yeah. I know. That's <laughs> like yeah. once it gets into Gemini and stuff, it's still in the mm-hmm. shadow. Yeah. I uh, ended up starting a podcast, though. We recorded the first episode totally on accident um, the day that Mercury stationed. Oh, that's cool. So I was like, oh, my Mercury station return is like very third housey. I got the third housey version. Yeah, I think that's a good sign. Yeah. But yeah, it was a weird one because Saturn stationed retrograde like the day or it had been stationed for a good week, but it went retrograde like the day after Mercury stationed direct. And they were like just barely out of a square with each other like mm-hmm. the, they were within a degree but it like it's like they were applying to each other and then they stopped just short of the square and then started to separate yeah it's like a standoff yeah it's like next time yeah i'll get you next time <laughs> yeah <laughs> giving you a firm warning <laughs> and then it'll be a try next time i guess so yeah that's that's nice i like yeah. that well um do we want to just get started with our first question for today? Yes, let's go. I feel like you're a good one for this as a Capricorn <laughs> rising. Our first question comes from James in Nebraska. And he asks, why is Capricorn always considered to be daddy energy when it's a feminine sign? Hmm. So what do you think about that, Bonnie, uh, hmm. as a Capricorn rising? Yeah, I feel so as like a feminine identifying person and a Capricorn rising I don't feel very daddy energy I feel more like people keep giving me stuff to do and I'm tired but I have to keep doing it um but yeah I feel like um with yeah Capricorn being considered daddy it's it kind of goes with like cancer being considered really motherly Mm -hmm. um like the the qualities in like Capricorn and cancer I see and how they like mirror each other is that they're they're both about like like kind of their community and serving um not the same way as virgo and pisces but more like providing and that mm-hmm. like that's what i associate with capricorn is like providing and then with cancer like more nurturing like the yeah those yeah. kind of energies and they're very gendered for sure yeah well they 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 are they definitely have been historically especially and uh it's funny because i've been thinking about this a lot since i was invited to do um a talk for uh symposium uh, on gender and I don't know now I've been like watching it like I I it made me realize like how much I tend to ignore or take for granted um the gendering of things Mm -hmm. or that like I you know almost like I've 
been in like a blissful bubble of just like, oh yeah, that was the way we perceived things back then. But like, obviously I know that like there is always huge gender standards that are still a big problem. But uh, what was I watching? I've uh, been watching Stranger Things, been trying to catch up. Ooh, yeah. And I was up. watching the third season. Sorry, spoiler alert. Shouldn't it's be okay. too big of a one. I think I've seen the third one, but it's been a long time. So yeah. I may or may not remember. Uh, God, I'm going to butcher the name. I can never remember names. I hate it. Um, but was it L or 11? L. 11 yeah. or L. And uh, the kid that she, the boyfriend? Yeah, Mike. The romance? Mike? Mike. I think it's Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, you know, it's at the point in the show where they're, um, spoiler alert again, but they're together and like they're making out all the time in like her room. Horny and, teenagers. Yeah. And her sort of dad, the, the cop guy, the sheriff, do you yeah. know his name? Uh, yeah. What is his name? No, I don't remember. It was like a weird, cool nickname, but I don't I, recall exactly. Such a broken we're, name. We're so people that are strange. People that are Stranger Things fans right now are probably yelling at us right now. I know. It's the thing. It's my greatest, like, <laughs> it's my greatest weakness. No, I have many. Um, but I can I can just remember the names. Even the people, I'm like, the characters way. that I, like, really like or know lots of things about. Um, but anyway, you know, it's the 80s. And he's, like, this, like, traditional sort of, he's a cop, right? Uh, mm-hmm. My partner and I, again, were sort of joking that, like, you know, maybe we have to judge him by... The standard of the time. He's a cop. He's a dude. He it's in the eighties. Like he does all right. Um, mm-hmm. But considering he, he's a cop and he's a yeah, he's 80s, got a yeah. lot working against him in terms mm-hmm. of emotional sure. intelligence. Um, but he really was like starting to lose it with uh, them making out all the time in, in the room. And he was talking to kind uh, of can't remember the actress's name now. Is it Mike's mom? Mike's not Mike's mom, but (laughs) Winona Ryder. Yes, Winona Joyce. Mm -hmm. Joyce. All right. Anyway, uh, Jim, Jim Hopper, right? Hopper, Hopper is what they call it. Yeah. He's like talking to Winona Ryder or Joyce about the, um, about like what to do, how to handle this. Like, because he's like losing his mind about, about them. And she gives him like this whole speech to do. It's like about like feelings and like, you know, creating a safe space uh to and it's it's like a lot lot of stuff that i would like i talk about or how i try to frame things like with my son and i almost take it for granted that it's such like a stereotypical dude thing to be like oh i can't do what emotions (laughs) uh safe space to express ourselves what i we don't do that we're men you know um, it, mm. it's very Capricorn because it's the detriment of the moon. <laughs> like it doesn't want to like do the moon, uh, the moon shit. Yeah. And I think that's maybe where a lot of the, the, the daddy energy comes from, um, yeah. or some element of it. Cause there's a lot of things about daddy energy and maybe even would need to define what dad or daddy energy is. I think that means different things to different people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel that because with um, Capricorn, yeah, it is ruled by Saturn and like, you know, it's like totally opposite of cancer, which is about like being comfortable with your feelings mm-hmm. and Saturn, like we were talking about the signs series, like Sat- um, Capricorn is associated with like the winter season when things are more scarce. So there's like kind of a reason why Capricorn is like less touchy feely because they're like, oh, we have to survive. We have to get up this mountain. Yeah. To keep going. And so there is this like kind of um, I think. Uh, Colin Bedell from Queer Cosmos, he like defines Capricorn as being really good at like uh, emotional regulation of being mm. like, oh, like shit's hitting the fan right now. I can't like start crying. Um, yeah. So there is like some element of that that is like helpful. But it, I think like right now, like our the most stereotypical version of ma- masculinity that we see with that is just like exaggerated, like tenfold. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I, I don't know. And I think maybe it speaks to like the the sort of cloistering that we can fall into in the world now, like where we don't um, can sort of get s- settled in our own sort of cultures and worldviews where we're like, it's easy for me to forget that that's how like most dads, maybe still, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have like a couple dads that I know. Mm. <laughs> I don't a lot of dad friends, and, but they're all like in my sort of world of, you know, cushy, 
white suburbia, basically. So, you know, liberal kind of uh, biome and where it's uh, more acceptable to like talk about your feelings and emotions. And yeah, my son's like friends. I was actually, I was at like a, a fair for their school earlier this week. And like their friends were like giving hugs, like all these like boys, like coming up and like That's hugging so each other and stuff. I was like, this is the sweetest thing ever. It's almost like uh, uh, if you don't condition them to not express their emotions, they'll just do it because it's like their inclination. <laughs> um, yeah i think kids in general like they want to express their emotions mm-hmm. whether it's like they're angry or they're sad or and i uh, i tend to like follow a lot of like accounts online that talk about like raising children in like a healthy way and like even though i don't plan on having kids i like thinking about like child psychology and things like that and like mm-hmm. the way that like like newer parents like younger parents now are talking to their kids about feelings and like giving a nuance like oh it's okay that you're angry but we really can't hit each other, but yeah. tell me like how you're feeling those kind of things. Like that's becoming more um, common for both genders, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we're seeing like kids being a little more f- like having more language to describe their feelings and being like, Oh, I, I like, I'm, I miss my friend. I want to hug them. Whereas like years ago, like little boys would be taught like, Oh, that's not manly to like hug your, your friends or anything. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Things are changing. When I was like, I mean, I, we're, we're 90s kids so like uh, yeah i feel like i was like halfway indoctrinated with that or like that was the message i got basically but but anyway the uh back to the topic, the topic. <laughs> which i mean it's relevant i would say is that uh i think that is kind of at, at the root um so you think about why why do we get mommy daddy energy maybe or just daddy energy with Capricorn, but mommy energy from cancer is because, you know, think about like that eighties sitcom or that eighties show, or just, I'm thinking about the eighties, but most of like the presentations of uh, moms and dads in most media um, throughout the time that there has been TV, uh, you get that, like the mom is like, you know, comically, uh, it's like the, the oldest joke ever. It's like the mom's like trying to be sensitive and talk about emotions and stuff. And the dad's like, well, tell him to sit his ass down and, you know, I'll tell him I'll give him one more and I get my belt, like, mm-hmm. which is very Capricorn. Capricorn is. And I think, OK, this is it. And I was thinking about the kids um, hugging each other and stuff. It was like, that's really lovely that like, yeah, if you don't tell them otherwise, they will just express their emotions naturally. But they're also. They grow up um, in very sheltered environments, sheltered in, and I'm not even using it in a negative way. Mm-hmm. They're safe in their environment. Yeah. So they feel safe expressing themselves. Capricorn, as a, a, like topically, I mean, deals with that, not that, the, the not safe environment or the, um, the idea of scarcity, the not having enough. Uh, and what do you do when you don't have enough? You preserve what you have and you stand guard and protect uh this sort of precious reserve of whatever is left and that means like not letting people in not being uh you know being standoffish or being critical and reserving judgment on whether you let somebody in assuming Mm. maybe that you can't trust them and they have to prove that you can before you let them inside the wall Mm. and uh yeah uh And just thinking about it in terms of feminine signs, like, and I think it actually ends up being a really good example of how, how it doesn't really work very well. (laughs) A lot of the time is the using the, the feminine masculine for sort of traditional way of looking at signs that we were probably introduced to. I assume you were, most of Mm -hmm. us were, I think that's, it's like the lexicon is that fire and air signs are masculine and earth and water signs are feminine mm-hmm. but um and i ended up being the subject of the talk that i did for the symposium rebecoming the one uh, which you can sign up for and join i'll put a link in the show notes i highly recommend it actually there's like a ton of really amazing speakers they're going to be there um and it's totally free but when i was like preparing for this I was trying to find like where, what the origin of that was, like, where did, where did that idea come from? Like in like traditional texts, like old 
stuff. And uh, it's in like Ptolemy, which is one of the, the older uh, sources. And he basically was saying that um, the feminine is wet and masculine is dry. Hmm. It's kind of like his reasoning for it. But then when you look at like temperament models, earth is dry and, co- and cool, cold. Mm-hmm. And fire is dry and hot. And water is wet and cold. And air is wet and hot. Hmm. So for just looking at like dryness versus wetness, if dryness is masculine, wouldn't earth and fire be dry or be masculine? So earth and fire would be dry, so masculine. And then mm-hmm. air and water, um, which are wet, would be feminine. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And honestly, when I think about it, like air sign people seem, I don't know, I guess when I'm thinking about it in those terms, like that's the way that I conceive of, tend to perceive maybe my expectations a little bit of women is like maybe extroverted women tend to be more of that, uh, more that like mm. light sort of warmth. Um. Like air signs, the, you know, sanguine, like the, the temperament sanguine mm-hmm. while well, fire is like choleric. So like sanguine's like lively and friendly and exciting. That's what heat does. It makes things rise, makes things buoyant. Mm-hmm. Um, but dryness like creates separation. So you combine uh, dryness with heat, you get fire, of course, and fire. It's like very decisive. Fire is like this. Yes. This no mm-hmm. burning through things and like not not a lot of emotional intelligence necessarily with just pure fire temperamentally yeah it's very confrontational Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's making me think about how how i feel like gender is like one of those things where it's really hard to define for anyone i feel like it's Mm -hmm. more easily defined for you as an individual but um like with air like I, i have encountered like a lot of air sign people that fit some of the masculine stereotypes and it's usually in this like I don't like have emotions I'm rational kind of way yeah Um, but I've also experienced the more like feminine air sign people that are very social and curious about people's feelings like a lot of my best friends are um like women that are air signs and like they're totally different from like men I know that are air signs like speaking Mm -hmm. like like how how you define yourself as a man or female a man or woman um, yeah. And most of the, yeah, the men I know that have a lot of ma- like air sign qualities seem like very much like, oh, I don't have any feelings. And like, it's just about the data. And like, it's really about being rational and like not being biased by emotions or feelings mm-hmm. or anything like that. And then with a lot of the women identifying people I know that are air signs, it's more like, oh, I want to know how you're feeling. Like, what's the news? Like, tell me what's going on in your life or, and being kind of attentive, like especially Libra placements, like being yeah. attentive to people's feelings and like kind of seeing the energy of different people in the room and seeing like, oh, that person seems down. Let me talk to them. Like they do seem very like emotionally intelligent too. Oh yeah. Well, that's, and it got me thinking about air signs differently um, because of that wetness, that quality of wetness. And while I try to create like this table of like, okay, which air signs are the most wet and which ones are <laughs> the most warm, you know? And like Aquarius, I would say is going to be a more dr- a dr- relatively drier and cooler air, but it has that, that quality of air still, it's still kind of like on that end. So, you know, Aquarius has like emotional intelligence. It may not actually give a shit <laughs> or may not act on, on it all the time or, uh, it's almost like the more of that casual dispassionate curiosity of like, Ooh, you're feeling this. Mm, mm-hmm. I see that you feel this. How would you respond? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little more detached from like, mm-hmm. like the raw passion of like water sign emotions, but it's still there. Like it's curious about emotions yeah. and it feels them, but it kind of like will rationalize them a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, taking it back to Capricorn, just thinking <laughs> of those two in terms of, you know, I don't necessarily think of one as being more masculine. Uh, if anything, Capricorn seems like more of like the doodly dude, like uh, like the, the dudiest dude ever. It's uh, <laughs> Mars. It's the exaltation of Mars. It's, you know, yeah. Saturn, uh, which Saturn gender wise, um, I'm convinced that it's just like the anti-gender planet. Like it's just 
That's how I think of all of the planets now. I, I know, I know. Well, I, see, yeah. I got forced to like think about this. A oh yeah, bit, but yeah, I was like, with with Hellenistic astrology, there is like a yeah big emphasis mm-hmm. on gender. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I think like right like right now, I just finished um, a class called Queering the Planets um, with mm-hmm. Stardance Mystery School, and um, we kind of talked about like different myths and like how they're associated with the planets and. Um, just like different ways of like uh, different ways of seeing the planets as like more than just like masculine or feminine. Um, yeah. I, th- I feel like it just kind of like depends on like, like the planet in your chart and like how you see it and how you identify with it. But yeah, that's not an easy answer to the question. Of yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Considering that we're using gender here. Um, yeah. It makes me wonder like, because I, I know that like gender is like a, a social construct, like gender is different from sex, like gender is like how mm-hmm. we identify with, like the qualities we identify with. Um, but there do, there does seem to be like a spectrum of like some people, they fall into more like I like these like kind of masculine like clothing, like what like what is associated with masculine, these movements that are associated as masculine versus mm-hmm. like feminine. And there does be some like, you know, groups there. So it is, it is like, yeah, a social construct, but I don't think it's like completely useless either. Yeah. It's, it's more just like, how can we change the way we see masculinity and how can we change the way we see femininity and like mm-hmm. make it, make both sides a little healthier. And then also like recognize the spectrum in between and let people kind of play with whatever they want. Yeah. What I think it's maybe worth like as part of that is we sort of have to recognize how, um, inconsistent our models for gender have been historically Mm -hmm. we have sort of a basis maybe that's consistent ish um which actually and this is sort of my argument for why why maybe it doesn't feel like it applies as well anymore the this uh earth maybe as a feminine sign or a feminine element um is because coldness um has you know many layers of meaning coldness versus heat has layers outside of this, but one of the components of it is like social status. Cold draws things down. It keeps things still. It brings them down lower while heat makes things go up. They rise, they go higher uh, in terms of like status. And who did you see out in the world um, hundred years ago, 200 years ago? Men, uh, mm-hmm. they, they're out doing things. They're out accomplishing in, in all the positions of power and achieving everything while women are supposed to stay home, stay cold, stay still, and, you know, keep things secure and be afraid all the time. That's like another mm-hmm. uh, coldness. It actually, I mean, the positive end of it is it promotes uh, thought before action. It's like earth is better at thinking before they act, right? Mm-hmm. Think of any earth sign. Yeah. Uh, looking, doing the, doing the risk analysis, looking at your resources, seeing like, what mm-hmm. can you get away with? What, what can you be risky about? What, you should be safe about yeah what you get a different versions i guess of you know it's like there's a bunch of different like that that's where i'm like oh yeah i see because you know often women are, are more considered and less rash right mm, yeah but are sure. like i know just as many women that don't do that but are i think maybe impulsive. there's uh well and maybe there's a component to the fact that women are more exposed to risk in general, like they're, mm-hmm. they're more vulnerable a lot of the time to, um, to men, let's just face it. Like they're, they're yeah. men are statistically dangerous. <laughs> men are fucking the, dangerous. the reason why women should be worried for their lives is like yeah. usually a significant other. That's a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. Men are more responsible for most of the crime that happens. They commit mm-hmm. more violent crime as uh, my international relations theory teacher he asked everybody uh, who we thought the most dangerous people in the world were. People said like different things like related to geography or you know culture or whatever. And he was like, wrong, wrong. Answer is men aged 17 to 21. Yeah. They are the most dangerous people on the planet. If you mm. see a group of them <laughs> walking down the street, run away, like not run away, but uh, but well, I mean, and you know, overall, I, I because I've, I've always felt like an awareness of that. Like I see a group of dudes uh, when I was younger, I was like, all right, time to uh, go into the mode where I'm ready for a possible fight or a confrontation because, you know, that's what dudes do. 
Yeah. And that could maybe say something about just Capricorn, if you were to say maybe traditionally feminine, like is that it's it's wary of danger all the time or for for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. that's changed a lot. And too, there, there's just more, there's more but, room for different expressions, I think. Yeah. I, I think women are like, yeah. Um, also like aware of danger in the same kind of way, but in a different kind of way, it's like, yeah. I don't want to be victimized. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's like being victimized as like a quote man versus a woman. They're different, but it's like kind of the same thing of like looking out, but yeah, it's true that it's mostly men that both genders are looking out for danger <laughs> usually. Yeah. Yeah feel uh, self-conscious about trying to speak on behalf of of women that's not my just my observation maybe but yeah I don't know I guess just thinking about Capricorn maybe and and this idea of daddy energy like what what you think of in terms of daddy energy I think uh and like the most positive way it's feeling protected feeling like somebody's watching out for you and somebody is going to you know keep the bad away from you but also be you know um restrictive in the sense of like very creating very hard laws, very hard rules for you to follow. Mm, uh, yeah. Actually, I, I, maybe as a Capricorn rising, I think that like my perception of Capricorn placements is that um, they're really good at providing, but they also sometimes like want someone to provide for them. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really hard to let their guard down and know who they can trust to not fuck things up. So that's yeah. like a constant struggle of like, oh, I want to like relax my shoulders a little bit. Like I think like I think of Capricorn as having like a big weight on their shoulders mm. and being like, oh, I want to like unload this and have someone to also who's also consistent and reliable. Um, but I can't because no one else is. And then they end up just like playing this role of like taking care of other people, taking care of other people. But some people, yeah. some people do have more like daddy energy and that they're more like confident about that. They're more like, oh, yeah, I can do that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um well, I'll just do what needs to be done because it's what yeah. needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And like, you're not going to know how I feel about it because the assumption is that I don't have any feelings about it. They might have a ton of them. Uh, yeah. Actually, my dad, uh, that's what I wonder, like other people's dads. I don't know. My dad had like a, a pile up in Capricorn. Was it Venus, the moon, Jupiter, Saturn? I feel like there's another planet, but a lot of planets in Capricorn and it's very Capricorn dude. Uh, very like, you don't know, um, how I'm feeling about things. I'm just going to do stuff and, you know, very dry and cold uh, in in that sense. I don't know. Daddy energy definitely comes to mind for me with Capricorn, Mm -hmm. but I don't think, I I don't know if I think of it as a feminine sign or if like the, the distinction maybe is, is very useful. I think daddy energy for Capricorn is more useful than, uh, it being a feminine sign. Hmm. Yeah. So I I just like don't really use masculine and feminine that much yeah. for the signs anymore. Um, like it's in the back of my mind, but I usually switch it out to inward versus outward or um, mm-hmm. what's the word? Um, there's also diurnal and nocturnal, like yeah. the earth and water signs are nocturnal. The fire and air signs are um, diurnal, um, but I think of it more as like more introvert introverted or versus extroverted. Not to say that you, mm-hmm. if you have a ton of fire and air, that means you have to be an extrovert, but um more just like wanting to push your energy out versus like keep it within kind of so um so that's like what I tend to use and there can be like some people that identify as men who are very like more internal and more introspective and then um people that identify as women that are more extroverted um and that kind of works for me it's like there could be like someone who identifies as a man and like has like that daddy energy and a lot of Capricorn even though it's like a feminine sign like they're still masculine but they do it in like a more introspective quiet kind of like i'm in control but i'm not going to flaunt it way versus mm-hmm. like maybe a leo man or something yeah so yeah. it's like still like they, they, they can define their gender however they want but it might be flavored by those signs i also have a i have a lot of thoughts about this with water sign men because mm-hmm. um just like going back to the way gender norms have changed for like us versus our parents etc um like i was raised by like a dad who has a lot of water, had a lot of water mm-hmm. and um, I have a lot of water too. And like, I can see how it came out in like very like destructive ways because there wasn't a healthy outlet for all the feelings, but he was still just as like emotional as like any woman that has a lot of water, but it's just like, 
the way that that, that energy, the water is going to flow out no matter what. Yeah. It's like, how do you let it flow? Do you let it like just like build up and explode or do you like let it trickle out like in a healthy kind of sustainable way? So I feel like more I see more like younger men identifying people who are like still masculine, but they are more in touch with their feelings in a healthier way and they're less destructive with them. Yeah, I I would say as a um, someone who's, you know, born male and still identifies as male. Um, but also like I'm a cancer rising and yeah, let's moon, get, bring it to cancer. Yeah, yeah I have the moon in like a water <laughs> sign. And um, yeah, I would say that I definitely had the experience growing up of like feeling like I had uh, this expectation, like having lots of emotions and stuff, but feeling like that they weren't accepted, um, was not acceptable to, to be super emotional. So I had to sort of put on a, uh, a shell or, or something very, you know, mm. cancery, but also having the moon in Scorpio too, you know, mm-hmm. armed and armored. Uh, spiky. Ocean. Yeah. Spiky, spiky yeah. moon. Yeah. But trying to be, I don't know. I, it's a whole tangent, but the point being, um, is that, uh, I did like, I had like a group of friends that, you know, were probably very similar in the sense that like send softy sensitive V type dudes, but trying to sort of not be too much, you know, how can I be, uh, as sensitive as I am and still be, uh, acceptable socially as a dude. And, and I found even just like becoming an adult that there's like a level of vindication maybe, and that it's become more acceptable. Yeah. For men to you can be, relax a little, not even acceptable, but the expectation for men, I think has gone up. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah, you don't get to get away with being a dumbass and like being emotionally oblivious to, to stuff anymore. Like we we're holding you to a reasonable standard. On yeah. That. It's like, yeah, I think um, a lot of like women identifying people and like queer people, especially queer mm-hmm. people have like helped show us this of like, there's like healthier ways to be masculine or feminine. And like, you can kind of define your gender your own way, but like, regardless of whether it's masculine or feminine, there's a much healthier way to do it. Like I, I see that with like some feminine qualities that like I was raised in the South Mm. and I can see a lot of the ways that I was conditioned to be feminine in the South that um, there were very unhealthy versions of femininity and like not ones that I like that that I want to keep Um, like being passive aggressive instead of direct with communication, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, Like letting things build up resentment building up and things like that. Like those are things I want to work on myself and redefine of like what femininity means. And yeah, um, that, and I guess that, that, I guess that's like another way that like, I'm, I'm thinking about how, like, even though like, usually it's like men who are like kind of told to be closed off from their feelings, or at least like in the past, that was like more how it was taught in a, in a certain way, like women have been told to be closed off about their feelings too. Like they can't be completely honest about how they feel. They have to mm-hmm. do emotional, emotional labor as yeah. in like, they're like, they're like, Oh, like, my husband, he, um, I'm the only person he can talk about his feelings with because he can't talk about his feelings with anyone else. Like that's Mm -hmm. a a big trope in the past. And like, even still now. Um, so like a lot of like the way women have been conditioned to be emotional is like for other people of like, Oh, I need to take care. And this is where we get to cancer, like having to take care of everyone and, um, not being able to like fully be in touch for your own emotions, your own like needs and be honest about them. Mm -hmm. So That's a really good point actually it's because it's not just it's not just you know men that have to do this or women that have to do this like everybody's sort of oppressed by um a lot of the gender standards the genderizing of 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 ways of expressing yourself um yeah i I think and there's like a trap that i want to be careful not to fall into and i'm i you know try to look to other people to sort of measure their response i don't know i'm like i think it's something that we're collectively maybe figuring out Uh, and i don't claim to have like all the answers to it obviously um and i'm okay with that i'm like i don't know like i maybe that's why we aren't (laughs) why we're talking about this instead of just answering the question but i know we're just like (laughs) like going around circles instead of giving you a clear answer we're just gonna um give you some things to think about we've probably answered it but i think that's part of the bargain when you submit a question mm-hmm. to astrology hotline is, is we'll answer your question, but we're going to talk about what, we, what interests us as well. So 
Yes. Um, the answer is daddy is a state of mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Capricorn's a thing, but is that specifically, you know, maybe the, the idea of what daddy means is something that is, that changes, revolves, mm-hmm. um, and is maybe not explicitly relegated to, to men or males or masculine figures. You know, I've, uh, I think moms have to have daddy energy a lot too. What, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that means, you know, women have to play that role. Uh, mm-hmm. I think in reality, most of the time, both parents, um, if you know, you're fortunate enough to have both parents involved are playing those roles. Like my, um, my son's mom and I, uh, we co-parent and actually I remember when my son was a baby. Um, we would get like this joke, like people would like, uh, call me Mr. Mom a lot, mm-hmm. like it was a joke and I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, whatever, like, cause I thought it was dumb because I thought mm-hmm. like, why, I don't know. Why is loving your kid, um, caring about them and responding to like their, uh, their feelings and responding to their pain and comforting them. Why is that mom? Why is that only relegated to, to moms? I want to be able to do that too. Maybe it's because my cancer rising, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be able to share in that as well to the degree that I can, um, without overstepping, you know, there, there can be a, a sense of like jurisdiction maybe with parents. Yeah. Like, this is what's expected of me. And like, if I don't play this role, then people are going to judge me. Um, yeah. and maybe that's why those standards maybe still exist or why we still struggle with them is because we have different people with different viewpoints on it. And we're all worried about other people judging us. That's true. Um, we're still, I think we're still trying to navigate like, um, what is my sense of like gender, sexuality, whatever it is versus like what other people expect of me. And it's really hard to untangle those two. Yeah. Which are like coming out and things like that is a big deal for people like coming out is like yeah. their gender or sexual because they have to define it for themselves and not let other people define it. Yeah. As much as I want to like fast forward to where I like the trap maybe that I'm worried about falling into is that like almost like the colorblind mentality we're trying to be like gender blind, you know, because obviously it's still important to people. It's still important to, to me even in ways that like, I don't not fully conscious of probably because I have the privilege of, you know, more or less matching, um, identifying with the same gender as I was uh, born with. Yeah. I think it, be, it can be gender can be useful in the way that people want to define themselves, but yeah, the difference is now we want more of a less rigid kind of like gender binary and more of like, instead of like, you know, like a color block of pink and a color block of blue and they're like perfectly rigid and you can't mm-hmm. step within, it's like more like a paint gradient. Yeah. Which like, cause I used to do like painting. I love like mixing the colors and making a gradient from one color to the next and seeing how it like bleeds into each other. And that's kind of like how I think we're starting to see it now. It's like, oh, like you can be masculine but have some of these feminine traits and you can be, more feminine, but have some of these masculine traits. And then also like how we're defining it also changes of like, what is a healthier way to be masculine? What is a healthier way to be feminine? Yeah. And I, I guess I can only speak to my own experience of maybe having to, um, to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wrestle with maybe the ways that I didn't fit into what I felt like my expectations were um gender wise uh was for me it was like kind of just had to like stop giving a shit or stop explaining things in terms of masculine and feminine to myself because it uh you can get pigeonholed maybe or if you want to if you're trying to identify with one and then you express in a way that's associated with another one it's like then you find yourself be condemning yourself or internalizing other people's condemnation. And it seems healthier to me to just to be what you are. Um, and I have to kind of credit Tristan for putting this in words. I think it was during one of the science episodes, maybe, or was it during the planets episodes? I can't remember, but um, he explained it just like, you know, just explain, just when we're talking about Capricorn, just describe Capricorn. Like what, what does Capricorn mean? Um, and you don't necessarily have to use masculine or feminine. No, do you don't. I don't think for any of them you yeah. need to. Like it's, it's like a, uh, a, it, it just ends up almost not being a super useful 
construction yeah. because it, it, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's like what we're seeing right now with like studying astrology and like also like, you know, more information about like, like traditional astrology emerging and us getting like, you know, more ideas of what the ancients were thinking of and like seeing how that fits in with our modern world. Like there's this chance to kind of like redefine some things. And so it's useful for like, oh, if you're reading a book and you see like, oh, earth, feminine, water, feminine, you know, fire, yeah. and air, masculine, like it's good. It's helpful to like know those terms, but like also know that we're like just changing things as we go along that to mm-hmm. like fit our society more. Like it's always, astrology is always going to be evolving. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess maybe for more on that, you know, check out the symposium. Mm-hmm. And if you are interested in more like queer astrology talks, ah, um, yeah. I'm co-facilitating at Stardance Mystery School. We're on Patreon, but we teach a lot of classes. Um, uh, we teach them through like Discord where people can like talk about different ideas and we'll share like things like meditations and journal prompts. Um, and we have a monthly or not monthly, sorry, a weekly um, chart reading class where we'll like interpret someone's chart together. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do all of our classes are like kind of focused on like queer astrology and like looking at astrology with um, like a queer lens. So. Yeah. That sounds that's awesome. helpful for anyone. Awesome. What are we saying? Next question. Next question. Uh, <laughs> second question today comes from uh, Michaela. And Michaela writes, I was told that because I don't have a stellium, that I would have a hard time finding direction in life. Is that true? And my answer to you, Michaela, is <laughs> no, I... Uh, <laughs> Is no. Um, I mean, that's my starter answer. And I guess if yeah. you don't want to Yeah, who told her that? I don't them know. That. And this is something I, I don't know. It's like you go into forums and stuff and you get mm. so many ideas. Um, and I love it when you're just treating them like ideas. But unfortunately, I feel like people maybe maybe it's like their first encounter with, you know, what a stellium means. And they internalize that and they don't necessarily know, um, know not to interpret, I don't know, that it doesn't necessarily mean this exact rigid thing. But I mean, in that one, in that case, I can, I can, in a, I can understand maybe why, why somebody would conclude that or make that statement about yeah. stelliums. But um, I would just say that like blanket, no. Yeah, it's not I what think, a stellium means. <laughs> I, think, I think that's absolutely, I agree. That's yeah. not, that's not what it means. Um, do you want to like kind of define like, what we're talking yes. about stellium and that way we can give a little background of like why people might think that and yeah. then we can break it down. Yeah. So, well, and there's different, even definitions of stelliums. Um, and I guess my definition of the stellium is that it's a word that we use to describe having three or more planets in a given sign. Some people think you have to have four planets for it to be considered a stellium. Um, and some they, people differentiate between inner and outer planets, like outer inner and outer planets, planets yeah. points maybe don't count or, mm-hmm. you know, nodes, do they count? Do, do asteroids count? Um, and I have like a, in my mind, what feels to me like a very simple answer is like, who fucking cares? I don't know. Like, I don't know. No offense to anybody. I apologize. Um, but a stellium is just, a, it's a cat. It's, it doesn't, there's no real interpretive difference in terms of, what it means, whether it's a stellium or not, what it means depends on what the planets are in the sign, what houses they're ruling, how they're interacting with each other and other places in the chart. It means, you know, the same stuff that anything else means. It's just that everything's, you know, that that topic, you can say broadly that topic, that house, that sign are heavily emphasized. Those qualities are heavily emphasized. Um, but yeah. it doesn't... Uh, if you're trying to make interpretations outside of that, just based on the fact that it's a stellium, that it meets, you know, whatever your definition of stellium is, um, you're, I don't know, maybe not, maybe you're missing. um, I'm going to phrase this in in a appropriate way. I think, um, I, I think like with that, those kind of like answers, like, oh, like it means you have no focus in your life. It's just like, kind of like an easy answer to give someone where yeah. it's like yes like this means that like you know like for me and my my example like I have um Scorpio Venus in retrograde conjunct Pluto mm-hmm. and like the cookie cut answer is 
you will never find love. Like love is terrible mm. for you, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like much more nuanced like than that. And like there, um, I think, I, I guess like what the question is like kind of about is like what I guess like the, the like the person answering that question saying like oh you have no focus in your life they're thinking of a stellium as like a big focal point in the chart yeah. like, this is where you look all these pointy arrows pointing at this and this is where you need to focus on your life when like it's really it's an entire chart and there's like so many different points and planets to look at and the houses the aspects all of that matters and it's all mm-hmm. like a web like there's no like one focal point that's like here's the bullseye like this is where you go it's all going to be kind of interwoven with each other yeah yeah i think that's yeah that um and i think maybe the, the reverse like assuming that you don't have planets uh, if you have many planets and if you have planets spread out across your chart in different signs and lots of different signs um while i have heard some interesting interpretive points used in like vedic astrology that have like more consistent origins i guess like there's some ideas around you know if you have four pl- signs occupied versus five signs occupied uh, i think mm-hmm. five signs was like the ideal in like vedic um because mm-hmm. it spreads things out enough or you get enough variety maybe in direction or, and stuff yeah um, i think variety is good like having a like i have a stellium and i think it's a pain in the ass so. yeah yeah i well and that's i guess that's uh tends to be my thinking too with stelliums is they're um yeah, maybe they, they represent a concentration of energy or a little too much of of life experience in a certain area of life that can be a lot. Yeah, it can be um, be too much attention there. If anything, it could be distracting and taking you off of uh, track in terms of giving everything else in your life proper attention. Mm, that, I would almost that... say the opposite, uh, where having planets spread out might be good, better in, in a sense in that you're um giving you're, you're spreading your attention out to the other areas of your life all of which matter all of which are important mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's hard to say like oh what should be the focus of your life like i think people can have multiple yeah. focuses like there might be a few particular things that they're prioritized more but like yeah for me personally having a stellium is kind of distracting it's like i keep getting off course of like this and I keep getting pulled in this direction. And like, I would like to kind of divide my attention in more areas, but it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to. So yeah. like having your energy kind of spread out on the chart is, it, it seems like it might be kind of nice because you can like, ha- can be a little more balanced, but I guess like the person like, a- like asking this question, maybe they're wondering like, Oh, where, where do I look for like what I would be good at? Or like, yeah. what what is like a talent I might be have that I should develop or things like that. Yeah. Um, Which I, I wouldn't necessarily look to a stellium to answer specific questions on that. Maybe, I mean, maybe, but I would look at other factors around that concentration. Like maybe the sun, if, it, if that's in the stellium, but yeah and yeah and actually it's a good point because um it was like a point in vedic astrology that got me thinking about it is that like certain planets don't um necessarily like to be around other planets (laughs) like uh like the moon loves company the moon loves to be in the same sign as another planet um at least in the vedic approach but like there's that makes sense even in like western astrology is like lonely moons you don't necessarily Mm. want to have but there's like different definitions of them um actually you you have a lonely moon too wait my moon uh, is um yeah it's it's the only planet in its sign but it's making aspects it's, so it's making not, it, yeah it is making aspects. it's not totally lonely but it is like the only planet in its sign yeah, yeah. maybe it's useful to dis- define lonely moon is yeah yeah because i because i'm thinking yeah. of like lonely moon as it's like a moon not making any aspects to anything so that's, maybe yeah yeah and that's what i tend to, to lean on like the Vedic definition is if the moon is in a sign uh, without another planet and without any other planets in the sign right after it or right before it, that is the Vedic definition of a lonely moon. Uh, okay. So you don't have anything in Gemini or Aries, right? No, I have the North node in Aries. Well, that wouldn't count. And, and I have Chiron and Gemini. So I guess both of those don't count. That wouldn't with count Vedic, Vedic, with, yeah. with Vedic, Vedic astrology. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, technically, my moon's with Pluto. It's great company. Oh, that's right. Okay, <laughs> I was trying to think of what you had. Yeah, Pluto. Yeah. And so, Pluto would that would that count? Uh, but not for probably the not Vedic definition. Okay. Um, so you have probably a more of the too. Western. Yeah, it's uh, in it. 
interpretively makes sense. There's, but then even in the Vedic approach, there's mitigations to it where, you know, if it's uh, on an angle with another planet. So if I get square or opposed by another planet, but then the Western version is more, if the planet is making an aspect with another, uh, if the moon is making an aspect with another planet, it's not lonely. Um, but if it's not making any aspects um, or won't, uh, and this is a whole tangent that slippery slope because there's different versions of this even of uh when where the the line is um on that but suffice to say that the moon likes being with other planets might enjoy being in a stellium you know big cozy burrito of of planets to to be snuggled up with but the sun not so much Uh, interesting the sun will crowd out planets that are really close to it uh, or... Yeah, I've wondered about that too, with like planets being under the beams of the sun, because in mm-hmm. traditional astrology, that is like a thing. But mm-hmm. since Mercury and Venus do travel pretty closely to the sun, it seems like it's pretty common. So I guess that's a whole other yeah. question of like, if the sun doesn't like that, or like the other planets don't like it from the sun, then why is it so common? Yeah, I mean, I think it it depends a lot on the sun. I, I sort of my going interpretation is like the sun is. Uh, I used this in the last episode, but like the sun is like a boss uh, that will like talk over you in a meeting. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's in charge and like, it's fine probably with you being there. Um, as long as you're not stealing their authority or stealing their the spotlight from them, you know? Yeah. Which I was kind of thinking, I was kind of thinking the other planets being more annoyed being near the sun, like, Oh, it's so yeah. hot. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And so loud. Yeah. And what planets, yeah. And like some planets may enjoy the company of other planets more, you know, may enjoy sharing a sign with uh, like Venus might enjoy sharing the sign with the moon, but maybe not as much with um, Mars. Right. I was thinking the moon and the Mars probably are not very moon and Mars probably wouldn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I guess maybe the point is that, that there's so many other things to consider when interpreting planets that are in the same sign and how many of them there are other than just the number of them, which I I get the impulse of like wanting to start there and you can define, you can derive a bit from that, but something as specific as like not having, uh, having a hard time finding direction in life or um, a lot of the different ones I've seen. Like what are some of the things that you've seen people say about stelliums? I was actually thinking about how like, one thing in traditional astrology, I can see why people think that, you know, having a stellium gives you this much focus is that like, if you're going by like, oh, like, for example, um, I don't have any planets in my eighth house, but my eighth house is Leo. So it's ruled by the sun. Mm-hmm. My sun is part of my Scorpio stellium in the 11th house. And so when I look at my other, like all the other houses, a lot of my houses like lead back to the 11th house stellium. Mm-hmm. So I can see that as like a principle being like, oh, this is a big focus. Like every, like I do have these areas like ninth house travel Virgo. Um, it like leads to the 11th house and I like to travel with friends, but you know, yeah. so there's like some kind of link there, but um, yeah. So I can see why people like think that with like the focus of like, cause those, cause that um, having that many planets in that house, uh, or that area in your chart um, is going to be pulling these other houses to it. Yeah. But that's also maybe another important point is like, yeah, actually with both of our sort of, I don't know if three planets is considered a stellium. I know some people say four. Um, yeah. Mine's four. If you count Pluto. Yeah. Yeah. Which but, I, I mean, but three, if it's personal, which is some people would count. Yeah. So I count yeah. it. I basically just count <laughs> like the outer planets is like half. And I'll be like, I consider the personal planets yeah. more important, but I also consider outer planets if it's like with like three personal planets. Like that's yeah. usually what I go by, but mm-hmm. I still consider the outer because if the outer planet is like close to a personal planet, I, I, t- I look at that very closely, especially with my Venus and Pluto. They're like they're enmeshed with each other. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the the defining a stellium and all the things, the energy we put into like debating maybe yeah. what defines a stellium or not really only serves the purpose of like getting stellium cred mm, that's true but yeah. what does stellium cred even mean it could just other be... than i mean you made that was a good point about it being like it's like a lot of things go through that house and go through that sign yes but if like the ruler isn't in that sign then it almost like might just put more at the disposal of that planet mm-hmm. that's ruling the sign yeah just it tends to be how maybe i i think about that too 
but it's, I don't know, maybe before you're trying to, to out stellium, like your buddies, I don't know. I wouldn't assume that it's like the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. (laughs) No, it's just, yeah. For me, it's just kind of distracting sometimes, but yeah. Um, it, I also do, I think I do personally feel a pressure of like looking at my chart and being like, oh, I have so much going on in the 11th house. Like, what is my big thing mm-hmm. that is involved with the 11th house? Even though I have like a lot of 11th house things like throughout my life, like there's no like one big thing. And then I do kind of kind of get caught up in thinking like, oh, what is purpose in a chart? That's just like a hard thing to define. Do you mean career purpose? Do you mean yeah. like your overall character, like what you're known for? Like, there's just like so many points you could look at the chart and then that gets to the whole thing of like well what kind of purpose am I talking about like am I trying to look for my career purpose am I trying to look at for like my motive in life like what where do I need to look and then maybe it's like okay maybe I should look at the MC maybe I should look at the north node mm-hmm. um maybe I should look at Mars for like things I want you know th- it just kind of depends on like how we're defining purpose yeah one that's a really good point actually because um I think there is like a, almost like an impulse to like want to look for one placement or one thing to tell us the answer to this, maybe this one question of like, what's my life purpose, which. Yeah. Going back to pop uh, astrology and the sun sign yeah, being that used to be more of the common thing of like, Oh, your son is who you are. And that's it. That's it. That's all you have. Or you get people like wanting to know, like, okay, I want to know what my, what my future husband is going to look like. What color hair is my future husband going to look like? Where do I look in the chart for that? Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, I could tell you maybe some areas you might look, but I don't know if it's going to tell you that or not. Like, it'll tell you stuff about them, but it won't. It may or may not tell you the, yeah. uh, that specific thing. But I, th- yeah. I also wonder if uh thing that just occurred to me is like, like the ability to be able to call yourself a sign. I wonder if that's maybe what drives the, the stellium hunger. The stellium like yeah. read is like, I People want to be able it. to claim the sign as me, as my own. Yeah, people miss it. They're like, oh, I used to be just the sun sign and I <laughs> yeah. knew I knew who it was. Now I'm confused. And yeah. I think that's like that's another thing of astrology is like now we're making it more like because we're people are studying it more. We're finding more information that we didn't have um, before. Um, we're making it more complicated. And mm-hmm. with that, you have to do a lot more digging into who like how do I define this for myself? Like, who am I? And that's not an easy answer that like some people want from astrology. Some people want like, oh. I want to know who I'm going to marry. I know I want to know when I'm going to get married. I want to know like what my career will be. I want to know like mm-hmm. who I am. And it's like, yeah, like we can use astrology to help like define you a little bit, but you also have to work with your chart and like see yeah. like where that is carrying through. Like you can't just rely on an astrologer to tell you this is who you are. You yeah. have to also like work with it and see like, does this feel true for me and how does it show up in my life? So it's like, it's, I don't know. It's like a way of storytelling, but you have to be actively doing the storytelling too, not just the astrology. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, do you want to like have the chart write the story for you or do you want to have some direction with the story, mm. you know, which I, uh, you know, if you're trying to identify with your chart, right. Which I don't think there's anything wrong with like, cause we end up talking about like, mm. Oh, it's, you know, it's very, my, my Mars describes this, this part of my personality really well. And it does, but like maybe thinking about why it does. Um, it's maybe because none of the chart really is you per se, it's experiences, um, that define you. Oh, that's so meta. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And what, I mean, and this is the deeper question is in like traditional astrology would just identify you as basically the ascendant. Yes. And that all the other planets, the planets are speaking, you know, they're, they're like judges gods in the cosmic court that are speaking on on the topic of the ascendant and what you know defining it and um speaking on your life you know advocating for or against you um yeah i can totally see that because i feel like um with all the different houses and signs and like the planets there it's like i feel like a capricorn rising but then when i'm in a different area of my life i feel a little different Mm -hmm. so like when it comes to um like career things i feel more like a libra that's like my mc but I don't personally identify as a Libra. It's just like, that's how I, I do notice I tend to show up in that way. Yeah. So like when you kind of separate out like that, you can kind of see like the different areas of your life, the different contexts where that energy mm-hmm. shows up differently. And you can like look at different points in your life, like going back to like the question of like purpose, it's like, 
okay, what kind of purposes am I looking for? Am I looking like, where do I want to live one day? Where like, who I want to marry, what my career is like, where would I like look at that part of my chart? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think at the end of the day, we're all, we're using metaphors. Like these are all just metaphors mm-hmm. for describing something. Um, it's really hard to describe. That's actually like what all myth is, is like we're telling these stories that are trying to describe the nature of the universe in some way. Um, but they contradict each other and, and they're, you know, ways of conveying meaning um, to describe something that's a lot more ineffable and harder to describe. But don't try to get too, like, committed to, to one, one way of looking at it. I mean, you can, but I guess trying to tell other people that, like, you can't look at it this way because this is the one way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are ways that are more effective. But I guess it all comes down to like, what's the most useful to you and what's the most helpful. And if it's going to make you feel shitty about yourself, that you don't have a stellium, like fuck stelliums. Yeah. I, and, yeah. Fuck stelliums. And I will say objective that, you know, from my point of view, that stelliums don't point to specifically in and of themselves, good or bad things. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. We have two astrologers that have stelliums saying fuck stelliums. I don't think mine's considered a stellium. It's only three. Three, three planets that's true i have three in capricorn but there are two of them are outer planets yeah mine are i have three personal planets and one outer so depending on your definition yeah might not count i don't feel bad about myself for, for not having a yeah a stellium. it's like mm, it's just easier to say stellium or not but you know it doesn't really matter it sounds cool yeah all right well i guess we can wrap it up for today then mm-hmm yeah. Uh, how, how can people find you? What do you got going on, Bonnie? Sure. Um, I, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm Mayday Astrology. So I'm not doing readings yet. I'm still taking time to study, but you can find me um, with Stardance Mystery School. Um, we're on Patreon and we have a Discord classroom. I mentioned that before. Um, I also am sharing a Twitch channel with two of my best friends. It's called Best Witches Coven. And um, we, on different nights, like it'll either be me talking astrology or um, my friend Sky and Snow doing tarot readings. We're talking about rituals. We're both like, we're all three of us witches, but we have different talents that we share. Mm. And then sometimes we'll do fairy Fridays where we all three of us get together and like do joint astrology and tarot, which is a lot of fun. So you can find us Best Witches Coven on Twitch. And then Stardance Mystery School is the school that I co-facilitate at. August 5th, we'll have a class called Planets and Aspects. We'll talk about aspects. Awesome. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, what's the name again? Stardance Mystery School. Stardance Mystery School. Yeah. But also just like hit me up on Instagram because I like chatting with people. Yeah. Yeah. You actually are like one of the best people for just like you are always up for chatting. I always feel guilty because I'm like <laughs> may or may not be able to to chat. Um, feel bad because I've been like I, I was enjoying your your uh, are you still doing the Twitch? Uh, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. I'm doing yeah. I'm doing Tuesday nights from like 8:30 to 10:30. So doing like the sort of the readings sort of or like little yeah, mini like little little mini readings. Lately, I've had a lot of people that want to learn astrology, and they've just been like, basically, I'll just like start talking about whatever tangent I'm studying right now, and be like, this is what I think about that, mm-hmm. and you know, this is like a thing I see people get wrong that I don't like. And I'm going to, I'm going to go on my soapbox and to explain this. And like a lot of people are like, yeah, that's cool. And they'll like, be like, like, where do I learn more? And I'll just like give them resources. So I've had a lot more people like that lately, but then also like other days I'll have like people that want me to like take a quick look at their chart. So I'll just like do like a quick look um, because I'm still studying and learning. So it's given me a lot of practice to look at different people's lives and how they experience their charts. Oh yeah. And it's great practice practice a great uh way of learning it's like actually hearing people's stories being willing to listen to what what they have mm-hmm. to say about their lives and not maybe assuming everything based on the chart being yeah it's open. been very eye-opening and also just thinking about like w- like what i'm reading like how do i explain it to people and like how do i define it to them because it's like a really good practice yeah for me it's just like having my mercury and retrograde needs a lot of like practice of like talking <laughs> communicating like let me just like word vomit and like try to obviously just be like refining some of my thoughts through that um yeah and also that one downside of twitch is that people just like type in a chat box so it is a little bit harder to get like quick feedback yeah so i'll like that is it's been an interesting practice of like trying to give people um like delineation delineations 
Delineations. Yeah. Delineations. <laughs> Fancy That's a weird word. word. Yeah. It's not a word um, I really hear much outside. Yeah, of I guess like interpretations, <laughs> um, yeah. but leaving it kind of open, but not so vague. Like that's the tricky part with like being on Twitch. Like I don't want to make this so vague. It's just like nothing, but also I want to give them some freedom and autonomy. So mm-hmm. it's been good. Pra- it's been really good practice for that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, I I have um a choice. So advertise this. I do have uh, every week. There's one slot available to book a uh, what I call a research reading, where it's basically I get to ask you questions about your chart, and you I get to ask you everything that I want to ask you if it's free, um, <laughs> and I offer one per week. So if you're interested in that, uh, in being interviewed, and you know I'll I'll tell you what I think, you know how I think it's showing up in your chart. You'll get a lot of the benefits of a regular reading. It's almost just for me to like put. Uh, some of the expectations on a shelf a little bit mm. and for me to get more of uh, to stay in touch with maybe that approach of like not going in with preconceived notions because um, mm-hmm. because yeah because I, I like it yeah it's a it different approach <laughs> it makes me better no, I think I think that's really cool because it's like like you said like the idea of having preconceived notions like as like an astrologer you do have to kind of like look at their chart ahead of time, have some thoughts and ideas and come with that. Mm-hmm. And, but then you also have to like ask them questions about their life too. But it's like with the research readings, you don't even have to have the preconceived notions. It's just like, well, what is like Mars and cancer show up for you? Like in the fifth yeah. house, like, what does that mean for you? You know? Yeah. Sometimes I'll even have like a list of just like, all right, does, do you experience this? Do you experience this? Do you experience this? Mm-hmm. I won't necessarily do that, but it just depends on whatever in your chart interests me. It's yeah. like it's to reverse the roles a little bit, especially if it's like a really interesting or unique placement. It's like, oh, it's like, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's very Scorpio. It's like collecting all the information, like all the research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's fun, and people have gotten uh, a lot out of it too. So you know, you can do that. You can also book yeah. regular reading uh, with me. And uh, what else do I got to plug? Oh yeah, uh, uh, Ada Pembroke, who you may remember from the aspects episode i don't know if we're going to get the second one out before this episode comes out or not we have started a new podcast the it's a weekly podcast it's exactly 60 minutes long every week uh called wandering stars where we uh get to do uh, just just get to talk about whatever we're interested in astrology wise which um may be interesting to you if you're interested in and in just hearing what astrologers have to say about astrology the only difference is that there's there's no um structure necessarily imposed it's just natural conversation which is probably a lot like this episode <laughs> <laughs> no this i think this has been very similar yeah but i'm going to check out yeah. that podcast um and then of course check out uh rebecoming the one really awesome but yeah uh thanks so much for joining me today bonnie yeah this is fun you back and yeah uh always welcome on the show and then thanks everyone for for listening i'll see you next time have a question that you would like to have answered on astrology hotline send us an email at astrologyhotlinepod at gmail.com